I'm Ben Davies, and this is The Clear Money Mindset. If you were to talk to one of our claims examiners, what they would actually tell you is that when most people are disabled, they need more money, not less money. And so a lot of people, if they have actually thought about this, they think, well, you know what, if I, if something happened to me, we'll change our lifestyle. You know, we won't go out as much, yeah. we won't eat out as much, we won't go to the show, like we won't do, we'll cut our costs. But the reality is, there's a lot of hidden costs around disability that people haven't thought about. Welcome to the Clear Money Mindset, providing you with help and tips to manage your money in a clear and intentional way. I'm your host and financial advisor, Ben Davies. At Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals, we want to provide you with meaningful tips to help you with your money. In this episode, we'll explore why personal disability insurance may be a smarter choice than relying solely on WSIB or workplace plans. This will be the second part of our conversation with Jamie Kendrick from RBC Insurance, and he has some great things to consider while evaluating if WSIB or disability coverage through work is enough to truly cover you and your family in the event of a disability. Here's the rest of my conversation with Jamie. So we are talking with Jamie Kendrick from RBC Insurance, and we're going to shift phases. This is going to be the second part of our conversation that's going to go on a separate episode. And I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about people who have either WSIB or disability through work. And what I what I want to go through is if I have disability through work or if I have WSIB, do I really need anything else? So um, let's, co- let's cover the coverage people know about first, which is uh, WSIB. If someone is only covered through WSIB, what would the benefits be of looking into a personal disability plan as opposed to just having that? Okay, so um, yeah, so as, as most people are aware, I mean, WSIB um, it covers work-related disabilities. So if a person only had WSIB, Ben, and, and no group LTD coverage at work, they, they still should be looking for additional coverage. And, you know, the, the main reason for that is because WSIB, it only covers work-related disabilities. So, you know, a lot of disability claims that I see in our region here, you know, they, they, uh, you know we do see illnesses, but a lot of claims I see are illness-related you know, such as uh, autoimmune diseases, uh, yeah. heart attack, cancer. Um, and probably the biggest thing that I've seen over the last decade and the biggest thing we're paying out for is mental illness. Yeah. And those things aren't covered by WSIB. So, you know, from that uh, angle alone, you, you, if you don't have, if, you, if you're just relying on WSIB, in my mind, you have significant exposure. Because what if you get injured playing sports or working around your home? Yeah. Or as I just shared, what if, what if you have an illness, right? Um, and then the other thing too is for, for higher income earner clients, WSIB has a maximum. So in Ontario right now, WSIB cover, covers 85% of your after-tax income, okay? And the maximum insurable income is just over 100000 right now. Hmm. So if you're earning significantly more than that, then you're only covered up to that level under WSIB. And so having a, 
an individual product, um, even if it was because individual plans typically cover you 24 hours a day, we're not going to let you over-insure yourself. But if there was room to top up, yep. co- in other words, collect WSIB and some individual, an individual plan that's set up would, would allow you to do that. It also works as a backstop as well. So if WSIB you know, were to stop paying and you still met the definitions on the individual policy, the individual policy is going to kick in where WSIB left off. Yeah. So to answer your question, there's a lot of reasons why a client would want to consider individual disability insurance on top of just WSIB. Yeah, and there, this brings into a, a, we won't get into this much, but a more complicated part of disability insurance. I always tell people with living benefits, you really do get what you pay for because the math is the same and the stats are the same right. for every insurance company. So if you're getting a really dirt cheap coverage somewhere, it's probably because they've compromised in either making you wait a really long time to get the in- insurance, or it's a really loose definition of disability, right? or you're not covered in your actual job for different periods of time. So those are all things. I know there's a lot of intricacies there, Jamie, that you sure. probably even know much better than I do, but sure. those are all things that... Um, that make personal disability worth looking at because a lot, even even on like a group plan, sometimes the the things you're covered for, the the insurance is inexpensive because it's an inexpensive insurance, not right. because you're getting like a Cadillac plan for nothing. Right. No, not so much truth to what you just said there. It's you know I you pay for what you get, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So. I mean, unless you're, you know, if you're very young and, and obviously the younger you are, the better, the, the healthier you are typically, and the least expensive these products are. Um, but it is, it's very, it, the price, you know, definitely has an impact on what you're getting. Um, and I think it's important that if, if a client goes through this process, that they really, you know, uh, go through and make sure they understand what they're buying, like, Work with their advisor closely and yeah. um, make sure they understand the definitions and the features and the guarantees. So disability, it's its kind of like buying a car, Ben. Disability insurance, you, you can buy like low-end models or high-end models. The high-end models are obviously more expensive because they have the most guarantees. Right. They guarantee the price. Yeah. Okay. They have the least amount of exclusions, typically only three. Okay. And they have the best definitions of total disability. And they typically also include partial disability as well. And a lot of the better plans don't have any offsets or or features that say if you're collecting from certain other sources, they don't reduce the benefits. Right. So it it's you have to look under the hood yeah. and see what you're getting. Yeah, because they are it's a it doesn't need to be a complicated product, but there's a lot of moving pieces to this as opposed to right. some other things. Um, so then let's let's go to a, a different kind of section of, hey, I have coverage through work. So sure. let's say that someone does have an actual LTD program at their workplace that's being provided. Are there ever times where that coverage is not enough and they should look at a personal plan? Great question. I mean, Ben, I would say that pretty much every day, myself and my team 
we're constantly reviewing clients' group LTD booklets and plans from work. Um, and from my experience over the years, I, I would say, well, first of all, and I mentioned this earlier, yeah, most people have no idea how much they have. Yeah. In other words, if you were sick or injured, how much money is going to be on the table at the end of the month to yep. pay your bills? Most people, if I asked 10 people that, I bet I'd be lucky if one of 10 could actually answer that question, which isn't good. Okay. Um, and typically what we find when we look through these plans, Ben, there are gaps. Um, and, and they come from all different angles, unfortunately. Um, you know, a tip, a typical one that we often find is a lot of these plans base the coverage strictly on your salary. Well, what if your income is derived from various sources, commissions, from bonuses, from profit sharing? Um, so a lot of, a lot of these plans don't cover that. Okay. A lot of these plans have low maximums. So a typical plan will have a formula like 66 and two thirds or, I, sometimes you'll see tiered formulas, um, up to a month, monthly maximum of X amount. Well, a lot of these plans aren't designed for higher income earners. So typically we find like the lower income earners have a greater percentage of their paycheck covered than higher income earners. Right. So it's important you look at that maximum. Another thing that we find a lot, a lot of these plans, Ben, have what are called non-evidence maximums where depending on uh, the size of the company you work for, if you haven't provided medical evidence, then your coverage might stop below the plan maximum. So when you say medical evidence, do you mean like um, when you first signed up with the plan? What are they, like the medical questionnaire or expanded... Like just for people to understand, what would they be looking at when you say medical evidence? Yeah. So if you were to look at your booklet, um, you're going to see like a a formula and it's going to say like 66 and two thirds up to a maximum of let's say 5,000 a month. That's a common, common plan maximum in Southwestern Ontario. But you want to look right around there because typically there's something it's called a non-evidence maximum. And that maximum, depending on the size of your company... And it's a risk thing that the insurance companies do based on the size of your company. So it's not that uncommon for a plan with that 66 and two thirds to 5,000 to have a plan non-evidence maximum of 3,500. So what that means is if we ran your income through the formula, the formula might say, you know what, you should have 5,000. But if the non-evidence maximum is only 3,000, unless you provide medical evidence, you're only stuck at, th- your coverage is stuck at 3000 And so what we find is this is a common occurrence because a lot of companies, they're not going out saying, hey, you know what, you, you're stuck at the non-evidence maximum. You need to fill out these medical questions right. to get what's rightfully yours. And so we find a lot of people stuck at these lower levels and they had no idea that they could have had more. So it's a, so, and there's a lot of different things like that, that we look at, but these are just some basic things yep. that underinsure people. Another thing, one last one, if I could. Yep. So another thing that a common thing we find, um, is that who's paying the premium. So if your employer is paying the, the monthly cost for right. your plan, 
and they're not charging that premium as a taxable benefit to you, yes. then what happens at claim time then is that your benefit becomes taxable as income to you. So that means when at the one of the worst times in your life when you're off, because you have to pay tax on that benefit, you're going to end up with less spendable dollars. So we often find in Southwestern Ontario, a lot of these plans are taxable, um, which means there's room, there's, people have gaps in their coverage. Yeah, and that's, that's one thing um, people don't always realize because you were saying before that these the plan maximums are based on a percentage of your in a lot of cases after tax income so if you're not getting that as a tax-free benefit and you're paying tax on it again uh, it's probably a conversation to have with your employer because you'd probably rather see let's say this isn't ben davies giving you a a premium guarantee but let's say a thousand dollars of extra income because of the disability premium benefit than to get disabled and find out that 100% of your benefit is a taxable. Yeah, and the reason, you know, and, and that brings up another great point. And from my experience, like, if you were to talk to one of our claims examiners, what they would actually tell you is that when most people are disabled, they need more money, not less money. And so a lot of people, if they have actually thought about this, they think, well, you know what, if, I, if something happened to me, We'll change our lifestyle. You know, we won't go out as much. Yeah. We won't eat out as much. We won't go to the show. Like we won't do, we'll cut our costs. But the reality is there's a lot of hidden costs around disability that people haven't thought about, right? Uh, they need support in their home. Right. They need medications that aren't covered by their healthcare plan. They have to, you know, even the parking costs to go to a hospital yeah. or to see a doctor, like to go see your doctor add up over time. And so if you talk to one of our examiners, they would tell you that people's expenses go up. So having a taxable plan and more cost is, you know, it's, it's adding fuel to the fire, unfortunately. And the other thing, like, not that you want to squeeze everything you can out of the government for, but even for people like who have kids, if you, if you get disabled and you can bring your income to zero because you're getting a tax-free benefit, other things that you're receiving, like the child tax benefit, have a chance of actually going up and helping you at a time when you really need it. They would yep. st- they would still go up marginally if your incomes drop, but it wouldn't potentially, depending on your spouse's income. Obviously, you'd have to talk to your tax preparer about this, but having it tax free in your pocket is a really good thing because it maximizes what you're going to get. Yeah, there's even another feature out there, and, and I've I've been promoting this for decades, and, and most people aren't even aware of it. it it's There's a feature out in the market, um, we offer it, and so do a bunch of other companies, but it's called Retirement Protector. And it's a disability, it can be added onto your disability policy, or you can actually buy it standalone, Ben. And what it does is, even if you're fully covered at work through your group LTD, let's say we we do our analysis, um, and we see that you're covered at, you know, 66 and two thirds, or let's, let's say about, you know, where you want to be is in about 80, the 80% to okay. 85% range of your take home pay. Okay. That's kind of where you want to be, uh, typically. Yeah. So this other product is designed to give you additional money over and above your LTD, your long-term disability coverage to help you keep your savings going. And what we insure is about 20% of your annual income up to a maximum of $1,500 a month. So while you're collecting your 
group LTD or individual or both, right. you can get up to $1,500 extra per month to help you keep your savings going so that you don't have that gap. And if you were off for three years, like that average duration of disability I yeah. shared, you don't have a massive impact to your plan because of compounding 20 years down the road by not being able to, you know, in, keep your savings going for three years. Yeah. It's a great product and it's something that it can be added on to anybody's plan, even if they're fully insured at work. Well, that's, that's cool. I, and all of those things help make sure that the, the long-term blow to a, a disability financially get eased um, if it was to happen. Um, so personal plans... Uh, there's a lot of, we don't have time to talk about all of the great features of owning a plan. Um, I can say one ahead of time would be because you don't know, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that could happen to you. Like let's say a sports injury, for instance, that after having that might affect your ability to get disability insurance later on. Um, if you're healthy, uh, that's the time to think about it because you don't you don't want to like break a leg and then have this leg injury that then comes up at work because maybe you're working on a construction site and you want to like getting getting the coverage in the first place all that's going to affect it whatever you have pre-existing so um, being healthy is a massive thing so when you're looking at when's the right time to do it you do it when you're healthy, keeping in mind that there's things that can happen along the way that you might not be disabled at work because of them, but they'll certainly affect your ability to get that coverage uh, if you were to try. Yeah, so that and that that brings another great point. Um, so yeah, you, you definitely want to get it. You have to be healthy to get it. And so this, you know, while you are healthy, that's when you want to buy it because um, you know, the older we get, things happen and it becomes harder to get. And I would tell you that about 30 to 35% of people who buy disability insurance yeah. typically end up with some type of modification to their policy. And it's just because, you know, things happen in time, right? And, you know, people do buy this in their 50s, you know, and or, or 40s and, and even older, if you will. And so, you know, people have high blood pressure. They... You know, they, they develop medical problems. They have musculoskeletal problems like you're sharing. And so the insurance companies will try to protect themselves. Now, a lot of times, if there's modifications made, the insurance companies will try to just do it on a temporary basis. So if the, if the, if the insured can show a good stability period, a lot of insurance companies will give them the right to have those modifications removed off their policies, sure, if you will. Sure. Yeah. But, but being healthy is very important. You have to have good health to, to purchase this type of insurance. Yep. So will a personal plan pay out? You've kind of touched on this a bit, but let's yeah. just go over it in more detail. Sure. If I already have WSIB, unless I am disabled and I, WSIB, it was, it was a workplace thing. They're paying. Yep. Is my personal plan going to pay out, or is it a, is that an oversimplification? Is it a bit more complicated than that? Yeah. So, so first of all, with disability insurance in general, um, we don't want someone to be overinsured because yep. if they're overinsured, 
the likelihood of them recovering quickly is is not that good, right? Like if you're think about it for a minute yourself, right? If you were getting your paycheck here and your paycheck over here, yeah. So double your paycheck, let's say, no we, reason we'd to never go back. get you back to work, yeah. right? So yeah. so there is some kind of what we call integration if you will. Now, um, with WSIB, as I mentioned, it does have a ceiling, right? So yeah. if you were earning above that ceiling, then having individual coverage and having a disability either on or, off, or on the job, if you had a WSIB claim, the, a, a good individual policy will, will top up, but not create that overinsurance, right? Yeah. Um, and then if WSIB, for whatever reason, were to dial back their claim or or stop paying you for whatever reason, change in definition, yep. and your client still met the definition in the individual policy because typically, you know, good plans protect people in their own jobs right to age 65, yep. okay? Um, then the individual policy would fill in the gap where WSIB stopped paying and they'd collect the full amount, okay? So there's definitely a good reason, um, you know, for somebody to have individual coverage over WSIB. And then, like you said before, the minute they walk out of their own job into their car on their way home, right? their policy's still working where WSIB shut off. That's right. Until they come back in to work the next day, it, yeah. to put it simply. Um, so what if I leave my job? So I, I've gone out, I bought a disability plan because I thought it was the right thing to do, wanted to cover my family. And then a period of time later, I decided to take a job opportunity somewhere else. What happens then? So great. Another really good question. And um, so because the you own the individual policy, yeah, you can take it with you wherever you go. So if you have one of a, a higher quality plan and you... I don't know, let's say you were uh, working in an office white collar, right? And you just had enough and said, you know what? I mean, I want to go work on a construction site, right? Yeah. Obviously, a construction site is is a lot higher risk to us, so we would charge a much higher premium. Yep. But if you have the right individual policy, most plans, you can take them with you, and they're going to cover you at that new job, which could be higher risk but at the existing premium as well. So I would say, and that doesn't happen a lot, yep. but what does happen a lot is we do, I do see a lot of people and I have for years moved from one employer to the other. And it, it seems like, uh, it seems like it's more prominent in the last decade than ever yeah, before. Yeah, for sure it is. And here's the problem. What if you now develop a medical condition, right? So having your own policy that you bought five years ago or a year ago when you were healthy now you leave your employer and now you have a health problem. Well, you've got standard coverage that you can take anywhere in the world yeah. um, at the same price, regardless of what you're doing. Well, that's it's funny because I was talking with a client the other day who's in like a higher level sales job and he's been at the same place for a very long time. But he's like, I've been talking to my friends. He's like, they're just hopping to the same industry but if, if you've been proven to do a good job in that industry, they'll pay you way more for that. It might be a shorter period of time. There might be more sales pressure, but it's what's happening now is instead of this idea of, well, this place is really looking after me with a great pension, great benefits, I'm going to stay here. It's, well, no, 
they're going to pay me 10 grand more a year. I'll go work there for two years. And when they stop, I'll go find another opportunity. So then now you're breaking your benefits up all of the time. You may be taking the pension you saved with you, but you're going to have periods of time where you don't have anything. Um, and, and then you're relying on whatever the company you're going to has to offer you. Yeah. And what if, what if they don't have coverage, right? So the benefit of an individual plan is you can take it with you. And the other big benefit is if you, you know, a lot of individual plans, if you buy the right plan and you bought it five years ago, well, you bought it at that age five years ago and your premiums are locked in. Yeah. So you, you've locked in your costs for your career other than, or till you retire, other than the increments that you can purchase. And there's a feature in our plan that it's called the future income option. It's, it's a guaranteed insurability clause. It allows, it's a maintenance feature. It allows a client to look at their income um, and if they want to buy more coverage because they're making more, they can do it without answering medical questions. Yeah. They just have to prove their income justifies the extra coverage. So outside of those little incremental purchases, you you can lock your your disability costs in long term and take it with you wherever you go. Yeah, and I, I tell people all the time I see this. You, you've probably seen it too. Um, I started out when I was 21-ish <laughs> and... Um, just trying to help people see the value in protection. Right. Um, everybody wants it at the cheapest cost they can when you're dealing with young people. Sure. And then you find uh, one of the things that I tell people I love about this business is you get to you get to sit down with different stages of life. Right. And see how mindset changes. And there's not a 60-year-old person I've talked to who, looking back... If I had to talk to them, you know, 40 years ago, they would have said, I want the cheapest insurance I can get. But then around 60, they start to change their mind to say, I've been paying for this for a very long time. What value am I going to get to keep? And it's no longer about the cheapest. They're starting to look at value for what they've invested. And I think of that when, when I think of a personal disability plan is you're investing in a, in value while you're younger, you're probably not going to see it pay off right away, especially if you're in your, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't have to pay off when you're in your thirties. That's right. But you get older and the chances get higher. And when you need it the most, if you were to go out and get it again, it's not going to be as affordable if you can get it at all. So it's trying to change that mindset while you're younger from just plain old economy. Give me the cheapest thing you can give me the cheapest car on the lot. And I don't even, as long as it turns over <laughs> to, well, I'm going to be in this car kind of a long time and there's a lot of miles we got to put on it. Maybe I should look at what, not just what turns over and can get me out of the lot, but what's going to actually get me to my destination. No. And that's, you know what, that's a real good point. And I mean, I think of like, I bought m- my plan <laughs> like 30, you know, 35 years ago, over 35 years ago, 30. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and then I doing what I do, I see what people go through. So I did, I went through this with my own children, right. Who my kids have good jobs and, yep. you know, when they were younger in their twenties, 
you know, I had these discussions with them and, you know, that was at the times in their careers where they were earning the least amount of money. Yep. But it's like you said, I, I saw the value and I helped them see the value of put proper protection in place. Right. And now today, like a decade later or longer, you know, my kids are earning more. Right. But they lock their premiums in and they got good quality policies. And I, I would urge parents, you know, not just yourselves, but, you know, look at it for your kids as well. Help your kids get set up properly as well, because it's important. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, this has been a great conversation, Jamie. Yeah, uh, thank th- you. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to do this again. Sounds great. I appreciate uh, you giving me a chance to talk about something I'm very passionate about. So I appreciate the opportunity, man. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal, financial, or professional advice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Sterling Mutuals, Inc. Mutual funds and ETFs provided through Sterling Mutuals, Inc. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fun facts before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.